0: Hey, welcome to the Seattle Psychiatrist interview series. This educational series is brought to you by Seattle Anxiety Specialists. Located in downtown Seattle, our psychiatrists and therapists specialize in treating anxiety, anxiety disorders, and other mental health issues that commonly lead to anxiety. For a full list of our services, as well as access to our multitude of online resources, check us out online at seattleanxiety.com.
1: for joining us today for this installment of the Seattle Psychiatrist interview series. I'm Amelia Worley, a research intern at Seattle Anxiety Specialists. I'd like to welcome Dr. Bethany Brand. Dr. Ba- Brand is a professor in the Department of Psychology at Towson University. She also maintains an independent practice in clinical psychology, specializing in the treatment of trauma disorders, including dissociative disorders and post traumatic stress disorders. She has numerous publications on trauma and dissociative disorders, including one of her most recent publications on the topic an, an examination of the relations between emotional dysregulation, dissociation, and non suicidal self injury among dissociative disorder patients. Before we get started, Dr. Brand, can you please let us know a little? more about yourself and what made you interested in studying trauma?
0: Yes, uh, thanks for having me. Um, Well, if we go way back, I had a friend in high school and she had been traumatized and so had her sisters and they had very different responses and it just intrigued me um, trying to figure out how could people go through similar traumas and have very different outcomes. Um, and so then when I was in graduate school, I started pursuing it more seriously and asking supervisors if I could treat trauma. Um, and then I did my master's and my dissertation on trauma. Um, and when I looked for my p- first position after grad school, I found a postdoc at Shepard Pratt. And at that point they had a trauma disorders unit that was just opening. So in that case, I was at the right place at the right time and I got to work on their unit, um, which had mostly people with serious dissociative disorder, so I got great training early on.
1: Wow. So to begin, would you mind defining what dissociation is?
0: Sure. Dissociation is a disconnection of what are normally integrated psychological uh, constructs or functions. So for example, a person may feel disconnected from their body, they may literally see themselves at a distance and be looking down on themselves, or they may feel very numb when they should have emotion. It's an emotional time. They're talking about something with uh, that, you know, they might normally feel terrified about or ashamed about, and they feel nothing. So that's um, that kind of disconnection. You can also have disconnection from your environment. So it may be they're in a place that's familiar or with somebody they know well, and suddenly they don't look familiar or they don't recognize fully who that person is. They have some sense that they know them, but they can't really place them. Um, they may have a, a disconnection in their memory or they feel like there's gaps in their memory. They can't recall, uh, might be hours, days, or even you know, potentially from childhood, there might be years that they really don't recall. Um, within their identity, they may have a, a sense of being kind of fragmented where they feel like more than people who are non-dissociative, because we all have parts, but they may feel like they act so differently, seem so differently, behave so differently, that in different at different times, they feel as if they're almost different people, although nobody can have more than one person inside them. It's states, um, dissociative self-states. Um, they also may have disconnection from behavior. So they may find themselves doing something, see themselves doing it, and they literally can't stop what they're doing. Those are just some of the examples.
1: How is dissociation linked to trauma? Are some traumatic experiences more likely to cause dissociative disorders?
0: Yes, they are. So we know that if it's particularly um, life-threatening, you might be more prone to dissociation. And we know that children are, are more likely to dissociate and they lose that ability a little bit over time. And so, for example, if there's ongoing childhood abuse, and especially if it's done by a caretaker, somebody who's in charge of the child should be protecting them, and instead they're betraying them, we know from betrayal trauma theory that they're more likely in those situations to dissociate. So it's particularly severe, ongoing trauma, um, but it can even happen for a one-time really serious car accident. Like, um, I know somebody who, when they're in a car accident, they were actually seriously injured, but they didn't feel any of the injury. Um, and it wasn't, you know, they hadn't had nerve damage. It was that they were for a little while having what's called peri traumatic dissociation, which is dissociation during the actual trauma itself.
1: Wow. How might someone know whether or not they're suffering from trauma related dissociation? What does it feel like?
0: Um, it's a good question, but it feels very different according to which one of those constructs is, um, they're disconnected from. So do they generally speaking have emotions? Do they generally feel like the body is theirs or do they sometimes feel like that's not my body? I can't, and it's not like, it's not a person getting older and looking at themselves thinking that's not, that's not how I look. It's it's more profound than that. Like they might look childlike or, they may feel like they look at themselves and suddenly they look decades older and it just, it's a strange sensation. They may look in a mirror and not recognize themselves. Um, if a person is has experienced or is experiencing a number of the things I've talked about, problems with feeling connected to their body, connected to their emotions, connected and oriented and aware of their surroundings, that probably means that they don't dissociate much. But if sometimes their surroundings look far away, even though, um, let's say, if their hand looks like it's a mile away, like their arm has suddenly grown this really huge distance, that's a type of depersonalization. Or if, let's say, they're talking to a therapist and suddenly the room looks foggy, that's derealization. The world around them looks different. Or they can't hear their therapist speaking, even though there's nothing wrong with their hearing. That's a type of derealization. So, if somebody's experiencing any of these things, um, that might give them some indication that they possibly have trauma related dissociation. And of course, have they been exposed to some kind of trauma? That's a prerequisite for trauma related dissociation.
1: So, what can trigger dissociation in, 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 an, in an individual after the traumatic event has occurred?
0: It may be that they're just hearing a sound that reminds them, a trigger. It could be a sound, um, an image of the light being a certain way. They might hear, uh, they might smell a certain smell. Smells are very, very likely to trigger uh, traumatic associations. So it's when they feel triggered that then they may also start to dissociate. So um, uh, I'm careful. I'm a little cautious that some listeners might be a little triggered by what I'm going to say. So I'm going to advise them if they want to just tune me out for a minute, but let's go with the example of smells. So if somebody was traumatized by somebody who'd been drinking alcohol, if later they smell alcohol, they can be triggered by that and start to have their heart race, feel terribly vulnerable, like something dreadful is going to happen, or they may may do that for a bit and then dissociate, start feeling numbed out, kind of like things around them looking surreal in some way, or they might just really rapidly go to a dissociative state.
1: That's really interesting. In your publication, I mentioned earlier an examination of the relations between emotional dysregulation, dissociation, and non-suicidal self-injury among dissociative disorder patients. You talk about how this idea of just dis- emotional dysregulation Can you explain what emotional dysregulation is and how it relates to trauma-related dissociation?
0: Yes. So you know how we like to have very big terms (laughs) in our field. (laughs) Um, Emotion dysregulation is basically difficulty dealing with emotions. Okay? So people who have got, uh, who've experienced a lot of trauma, whether they're highly dissociative or not, they tend to feel too much or too little. So for example, let me go back to that past trigger example I gave you. Maybe that person normally um, has normal feelings. They can feel, you know, some happiness, some sadness, some anxiety before a test, whatever. But when they get around, let's say they are abused by a man, when they get around men, then they start feeling really scared. Their heart starts to race. They feel like, oh, you know, I've got to watch behind me. I've got to watch this guy. That's feeling too much. The opposite can also happen where they feel too little. The examples I gave where somebody is numbed out, they don't feel connected to their body. So emotion regulation is when you have the capacity to know what you're feeling. They can identify the emotions. And emotions, how do we know We're feeling emotions, it's in our bodies. So if somebody's angry, they might feel, I'm imitating it for anybody who's not watching the video. Um, I'm clenching my hands, I'm kind of raising my shoulders, I'm tensing up muscles. A lot of people feel that kind of muscle tension and agitation energy in their body when they're angry. Um, If you're feeling, if you go back and forth between too much feeling too little, if somebody starts getting angry and they're very uncomfortable with that emotion, they may shut it down. And disconnect from their body. Maybe anger is very scary because maybe they were in a relationship that was physically abusive. And so they disconnect if there's anger. So what happens when somebody's traumatized? Trauma by its definition, it's overwhelming. It, they may feel at risk for their life. And so the feelings are huge, way, way, way too big like that example I gave earlier with somebody who had peritraumatic dissociation. If you're so terrified, sometimes the brain, it's a automatic kind of brain-based response, may start shutting down emotion. The person's not willing it to happen. It just starts to happen. Parts of our brain start kind of metaphorically going offline. They're not very active. And so later on, if that happened during trauma, that the person started dissociating when they felt too much, If later on after the trauma, they're starting to get overwhelmed with feeling too much, they may get scared of that. And at first they may consciously like, I don't want to feel this. I don't want to feel this. I don't want to think about this. And they kind of push it away. That's normal PTSD is you try and push away emotions and remembrances, memories, images. But over time, if somebody's also dissociated or starts to learn to dissociate, they can numb out and disconnect. Um, And if, if they avoid thinking about something enough or it's so awful, they really just, they don't go there in their minds over time. They may have less access to that memory. And so they start maybe having the memory problems I talked about earlier. So emotion regulation is intricately tied in with dissociation because dissociation is a way of dealing with emotion and a terribly threatening situation. Um, So what we've looked at in in some of these studies is, can we teach people who have very high levels of trauma-related dissociation other ways to identify what they're feeling, to not be so afraid of emotions, help them learn how emotions are helpful and how to healthfully manage them in a range that's tolerable. So they're not flooded, they're not numbed out. They don't have too much or too little emotion. And we found in this um, treatment study we did with dissociative disorders folks, that as you teach them emotion regulation skills, then dissociation began to decrease some. They weren't needing to dissociate so much. We also found that self-harm decreased, uh, uh, PTSD symptoms decreased. Helping people learn to regulate their emotions um, is a really fundamental, crucial skill skill, in other words.
1: So continuing on that idea, can you talk a little bit about the most effective treatment approaches for trauma-related dissociation?
0: Yes. Um, So the study I was just referencing indirectly is one called the Treatment of Patients with Dissociative Disorders. It's top DD. And that's for people who have uh, really serious dissociative symptoms. Um, We're in the process of of doing a randomized controlled trial treatment uh, where we're, we're checking out the program I was just referencing. So we get people who have very high levels of dissociation plus their therapist who agree to be in the study. And we have a number of videos where we teach them what trauma does in general, various symptoms related to trauma. Then we get to dissociation, what it is and how that was helpful but also how in adulthood, when you're safer, if you're safer now, how it can get in the way. So somebody not always knowing what they're feeling, maybe they're tuning out some important um, clues from their body, from their mind that a relationship's not safe. But if they're not in touch with their emotions, they may not feel that. And so we know from research that people with lots of dissociation have High rates of being re traumatized in adulthood. So it's really important to help them learn to identify their emotions and to gradually use less dissociation. And so, we're, in that program, that's some of the things that we're teaching. And that's in general, whether somebody's in that treatment study or whether they're working with a therapist, the therapist, generally speaking, teaches them what dissociation is, the symptoms of PTSD, because they often have both. Um, And then there's a technique called a grounding techniques. So let me, uh, and I'm talking this out loud just in case anybody can't see the screen. Dissociations on a continuum, at one end of the continuum is somebody is grounded and oriented in present reality. They can feel their body. They know where they are. They know what the date is. They're really hooked into present reality. The other end is profoundly dissociated where they don't necessarily, they don't recognize where they are. They're not feeling their body. They're really severely dissociated. And then in between there's this whole range. Um, What a therapist can help a client learn to do is recognize the early signs that they're beginning to dissociate. So they might feel spacey or tingly. Those are just examples. And so the client, client learns when they start recognizing that warning sign then they use these grounding techniques. And I'll just explain a very basic one that lots of people know. You can use this with panic attacks, um, all kinds of things, not just dissociation. but you put your feet on the floor. I'm gonna do it um, because when I teach people, I always do it along with them. So I'm pushing my feet into the floor and trying to really notice what that feels like. That is using muscle movement contractions and trying to get them to feel that part of their body, you know, assuming they're okay with feeling that. And then I would also be having them look around where they are. You know, if it's a zoom therapy session, look around the room where they are, you know, we're meeting together, look around my office and find something that they can describe with all the senses. So I've got a cup of water here. Um, If they've got something to drink, can they feel the weight of the cup? Can they feel the coldness or the warmth, taste it? Using all their senses, that actually helps wake up, metaphorically, the parts of the brain that have shifted and and kind of gone offline while they're dissociating. So you use the senses, all five senses, um, to get the brain back online in the normal way that it should be. Those are grounding techniques. And so a a therapist would be teaching them grounding techniques and having them practice that in session and then also out of session. Those are just some of the basic tools we use when folks have got a lot of trauma-related dissociation.
1: Wow. Lastly, do you have any advice or anything you want to share with our listeners suffering from trauma-related dissociation?
0: Um, Yes, I would say one of the most important things you can do is to learn exactly what I was just talking about learn grounding techniques and practice them and learn healthy ways of taking care of yourself emotionally. So, you know, many, many, many people who've been terribly traumatized feel ashamed of themselves, feel dirty. They feel like they're bad people. That's, those are symptoms of being traumatized. It's not the reality of who they are. It's a symptom. So hopefully they can start thinking about that, looking into that. There's, there's good books out there to read for trauma recovery. Um, if somebody has a really serious, uh, a lot of dissociative symptoms, if they have a therapist, if they want, to, and, and they can look into this treatment of patients with dissociative disorders study, topddstudy.com, um, and we have that website. They can go there and look and see if we're still running the study. There's also a professional website that has a lot of information for consumers and therapists. And I'll, I'll say it slowly. It's I S S T D. It stands for the international society for the study of trauma and dissociation that that organization does a lot of training for therapists and they have, um, frequently asked questions on their website about dissociation. They have some, uh, questionnaires, people could even try and fill out and find out, do they seem to be scoring fairly high and and learn a little bit about, do they have dissociative symptoms, where to go to get help. They have a Find a Therapist page on that website.
1: That's great. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Brand. It was wonderful having you on our series today.
0: Uh, Thank you so much. It's been an honor to be here.